Hi, and thanks for tuning into JL's podcast. I'm your host, JL, and if you are a returning listener, thanks so much for coming back and lending your ear. If you're new, welcome. I hope that today you hear something that's encouraging, something that gets you thinking a little bit more about these topics that we cover and perhaps helps you to start to you know, maybe start you on that conversation yourself or gain a perspective um, that leads you to engage in further conversation about this in your own circles. I would love to hear from you and I want to encourage you to let me know your feedback for how each episode is impacting you. Perhaps it's encouraging, perhaps it's challenging you, perhaps it's empowering you. It's always nice to hear from you and to also put a face to who's on the other side of uh, of this. A massive thank you for you guys who have been sending feedback in and also really encouraging me and letting me know how this is impacting you. You know who you are and I really appreciate that. This week's episode is an Honest Chats episode and these are usually an interview style slash group conversation um, from one and all the way up to three people participating and so they go for a little bit longer from between 35 to 50 minutes long episodes and sometimes they're broken into two um, two episodes um, by themselves and so I hope that this encourages you I hope that this helps you as always don't forget to subscribe if you haven't leave a rating review and, and um going to the the local church that I um, made decision to work for and was accepted uh, to work for. I was humbled by the um, fact that they would even employ me. Yes. Um, but noticing that there was some stark differences within yeah. how the church was structured, not only governmentally structured, but also in the sense of how um, vision and forecasting and and dream and and hope were were structured as well so so yeah i i pastored the youth ministry in maroubra yeah which if you have ever seen the movie the bra boys that's the suburb maroubra (laughs) it's uh in comparison for all the perthians it's balga by the beach oh yeah it's it's like it's a little bit hood there's a couple of couple of crackheads down at Coles every now and again, <laughs> but at the same time, you've got the beach, got so it looks pretty. pretty. It does look pretty, yeah. Um, so there's a high density of population that is uh, in what in Australia would be uh, our line of poverty, um, in again state kind of functioning housing situations. Yeah. Um, but then also Guy Sebastian lives up on the other end and so you've got Guy Sebastian is our Australian Idol first ever Australian Idol and so you've got those two paradoxes where you've got the rich and the famous and the poor and impoverished all living in the same suburb and then kind of your working class in the middle um, with young families and and people trying to make a living so um, incredible suburb to be working in for the sake of youth ministry and, yeah. and, and youth outworking and yeah I think from memory there were 7,392 young people in that that That's area yeah. that electorate that wow. Maruba fell into and so there's definitely scope to, to build a, 
a, a great youth ministry. Yeah. So. There's a lot of things that you had to start from scratch. Yeah, so I remember walking in and what I'm familiar with, even in the youth ministry context of what I had in the local church in Perth, was that there was some kind of structure or service to what we did. There was an element, um, and most of it was purpose-driven. Yeah. Having a great leader like Josh as our youth pastor, yeah. it was purpose-driven in the sense that there was worship on a Friday night, that there was um, evangelism, yeah. that there was community, yeah. that there was these attributes or elements to a Friday night congregation of, of yeah. young people yeah. that would make it a purpose-driven program yeah. and when I w- went into Maroubra um, it wasn't that it was purposeless it's just the purposes were different yeah. and there was a great emphasis on outreach and bringing in young people and but not a lot of structure around kind of how the nights run mm. that's not bad it's just different and it's just yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of how it was was operating within of its space and so I the first couple of Fridays that I had the youth ministry kind of looked at what I thought worked well and yeah. one thing that worked incredibly well for, that I saw from the get-go was that they always had food that they had food yes. that they got around and, and when they ate together the young people they would there was no no age yeah. acknowledgement wow. that there was 17 year olds hanging out with 12 year olds and wow. 15 year olds hanging out with 13 year olds and there was it was it was a great environment of community and wow. and and connectedness amongst all the young people and so I wanted to keep that and so there was elements that I, I would only ever praise um, the previous youth pastors for mm, and so yeah. um, stepping into the role I, I did attempt to to make it a bit more purposeful in a few different areas yeah. uh, and that meant uh, needing to grab the attention of the young people. I remember yeah. for probably about the first six months every time that I would even try and open my mouth the young people just wouldn't 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 have a bar of it and like there was no amplification, no way to amplify my voice, there was no speakers yeah. to, to use or no microphones or so I kind of you know, found some old microphones in storerooms and old speakers and stuff and kind of started to set the room up a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, but I remember a friend of mine who, uh, this sometimes happens in the Christian world, uh, when you're put in a position to pastor any kind of ministry, sometimes people can, you know, desire a platform to be able to give a message that they think is relevant for everybody and uh, I remember a friend of mine telling me that when he found out I was pastoring a youth ministry in a local suburb he said oh let me know when you want to want me to come and preach at your youth ministry and I was like bro that'll happen when hell freezes over and not because of you it's just because my kids don't listen and so I remember there was a few guys Yako Lampi uh, Pablo and uh, Gabe Billich, three of my good friends, uh, and I think Wesley Santa Cortez, three or four great friends from college who actually came down to my youth ministry once. And um, it didn't run like we ran stuff down the road at Hillsong. And yeah. I remember, like, Pablo especially had run youth ministries before. He was like, man, you got some great potential in this room, but you got a lot of work ahead. Yeah. And that was so true. There was just a lot of work to be done. So we built a stage um, 
from scratch and we are using crates we built it out of milk crates yeah I remember yeah. that project I think I so we we had <laughs> we somehow borrowed in inverted commas I think maybe they gave him back I don't know yeah. they'll get him back one day borrowed 40 crates milk crates so these plastic yeah. heavy duty cubes yeah. that milk was stored in for deliveries yeah um and we used them and set them out four by ten yeah. and built a stage and then put MDF panels over the top. And that was our stage that we duct taped together every Friday night yeah. so that we could back it up and, and set it up every week. And yeah. I remember you showing me a And it was, around. yeah, it was awesome. That was wild, wild That's days. And so, so once cool. we had a stage, it was like there is a... a I, I've always said that I don't want that to be a place where people get platform opportunities but for that to always be a platform of opportunity mm. so if, if one of our young people had something that they wanted to bring to the service element of what we were doing then they yeah. were empowered to do that yeah. and yeah. the microphone wasn't just limited to myself or to yeah. a select few it was yeah. something that you know there's obviously responsibility that comes with that but um, that it, it was going to be their platform yeah. for opportunity for them yeah. to outwork their giftings yeah, right. and talents. So, um, yeah, structuring programs and creating programs that were purpose-driven was kind of my core focus. So yeah. we generally would operate on a four-week rotation for programs. Okay. Uh, we would kick off with a something we call a Maroubra Youth Night where yeah. we would have a service, more servicey-like component, always starting with food gathering together, eating together. So, um, so yeah, Marubra Youth Nights would be a more evangelical type night where we would eat together to begin with. We would have a some type of activity in the night, some kind of team activity where yeah. we would set up, say, a relay or... Mm. And then we would transition into our whole space where we would... Uh, we had no worship. We had nobody mm. who could do any music for us. Yeah. And so, generally speaking, I would pull a friend of mine that might have been in college and they yeah. would do an item and, and then I would get up and, and speak. Uh, and generally, I, I think for me, with the conviction that everything rises and falls on leadership, I would speak about vision and what our vision was as yeah. a youth ministry and who we want to be, yeah. that we were a youth ministry that was strictly inclusive from our friends on the sports field to the stranger on the street, mm -hmm. that we would be a youth ministry that wouldn't stick to the status quo, but yeah. to set the example in faith, love and purity, that we would, we would you know, have vision for ourselves and for others and that we would love without borders and, yeah. you know, be compassionate about for, for the issues of justice. And yeah. so being able to bring the, a word like that inside of a night, and generally that would go for about 10 minutes and then we would break again and we'd have hot chocolate or some kind of other yeah. component where we could bring it all back together and have community. So that was Marubri Youth Nights. And yeah. then we would do these nights called... Um, Occupy nights where we would go and occupy a space outside of the four walls of our our youth ministry where yeah. we, we might have gone to the movies one night or gone rock climbing but always with an intention to represent the youth ministry well and yeah. and uh, the hope for those nights was they would actually turn into nights that we could even bless the community with in yeah, some yeah. capacity. Yeah. Um, the other nights that we had were called gathering nights where we would break into gender groups and basically have real talk conversations yeah. as genders. Real so, talk. so a bit of real talk, bringing some real talk in. So that. we would um, break down 
uh, our, our values is youth ministry. Yeah. So we, we would talk about what makes us angry, and then the, the opposite to what makes us angry is actually what we care about. Yeah. And so let's vote on that. Let's figure out what do we actually care about the most, yeah. and create a list of six values. And then each week following that, we discussed. Uh, each one of those values in detail. What did the Bible say about it? What does the dictionary say about it? What do our friends say about it? What do our parents say about it? Um, what does Jesus say about it? Yeah. And then, which what, what should we actually go with? You know, mm. like let's critically engage with our yeah. values. Let's yeah. figure out why we believe what we believe, not just be told that to respect people is a good idea. Yeah. Well, when why? we come down to it, what is respect? Yeah. Like, do we respect people conditionally? Or do we respect the pe- people the way Jesus did, unconditionally? Yeah. Despite whether they're sinners, tax collectors, police officers, mm. or prostitutes. Mm. Do we care about people the way that Jesus did? Yeah. And so that was Maruba Youth Nights, Occupy Nights, Gathering Nights, and then our last one. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, the Quip Nights. Quip. Quip Nights. Or did we change the name of them? Purpose. Equip Nights was focused... Oh, we called it Workshops Night. Sorry, okay. not Equip. Oh, Work, yeah. Workshops yeah, Night. Was, the uh, focus of those nights yeah. was to equip our young people yeah, yeah. for different areas of life. Yeah. And so we would have coffee workshops where we would teach the kids how to make coffee to yeah. get barista jobs one day. We would do uh, vocal workshops. Yeah. We, we would have... Um, yeah, photographer photography yeah. workshop yeah. where kids can learn photography yeah. or we would do um, how to read the Bible in context yeah. you know, what does that mean yeah. like how do you actually read a Bible wow. because yeah. if we just pick the book up and try and read it it's actually pretty cryptic in parts and so yeah. having different workshops and so we'd run three workshops and every 15 minutes the kids would rotate to a new workshop and get a little taste of each yeah. area and so we did a workout workshop once and so we had someone come in and, and do like three 15 minute workouts they were knackered by the end they had been working out for 45 <laughs> minutes all the kids only had to do it for 15 minutes each so oh, man. yeah that put some sweat stains on our stage <laughs> our makeshift stage crates. on our milk crates so but no, great, great times. But it was always with a purpose. It yeah. was that, you know, how are we, how are we evangelizing? How are we discipling? Mm. How are we keeping it the main thing, the main thing? Yeah. And, and giving our young people actually what they need. And, and the way we, that I came to the rea- realization of what they need is by looking at the quantitative data that our governments actually invest millions of dollars to research. Yeah. And so there's something called the New South Wales Strategic Plan for Youth and Young People which actually divulges that young people are looking for six different aspects. Connection, belonging, opportunity, well-being, and to have a voice. And when those things are actually met, young people become holistically fed to become all that they can be. I'm like, what better place to provide safety for a young person, to provide well-being for a young person, to provide connection? The one thing the church has to offer that the club doesn't is the fact that we actually can yeah. connect them yeah. in some way, that we can provide community yeah. um, to provide uh, safety and, I forgot the other opportunity. one, opportunity yeah. or a voice. Yeah. You know, to give a young person a platform where they can actually give what their vision for the youth ministry is, mm. what their vision for life is, what their dreams are, and an opportunity to actually outwork those yeah. through something like 
our equipping program, so yeah. our workshops environment. And so that was always the, the plan, is to be purpose-driven in what mm. we do. And I think that's partly why the youth ministry within a year and a half tripled in size yeah, wow. and started to grow. Because the, the byproduct of health is growth. Yeah. And growth for me was never the focus. I always looked at, okay, who, who maybe wasn't here this Friday? Who, you know, who are we missing? Who hasn't come for a couple of weeks? And how can we find out if we're meeting the needs of that person? But at the yeah. same time, once the program started, it's who's in the room, who you need to focus yeah, on, yeah, and yeah. actually get around and make sure that they're being cared for and, and looked after. Yeah. And so, so yeah, wow. growth happened as a byproduct. It wasn't like we were trying to hit KPIs and hit targets and <laughs> all that strategic planning. All that stuff's good, but strategic uh, like. But you had to strategize yeah, so on how to hit your values. So not not so, so much growth, but you, you yeah. strategy, be intentional about meeting your values. Yeah, so goals without strategic planning is just wishful thinking. Right, yeah. As far as I think. Yeah. It's just like yeah. if you're if you've got goals and KPIs but no strategy or purpose behind it, then you just you, you, you that's not hope. Yeah. That's a wish. Yeah. And we don't we don't serve a God or a Jesus that's a genie mm. who grants wishes. We serve a Jesus that says, Hey, if you've got faith for that, get to work. And put that faith into action, and yeah, out of that action, yeah. partnered with your faith, yeah. you'll see an outcome. Do and so, yeah, and be stirred by your faith, and be motivated with your faith, and and be pushed forward with your faith. But don't just rely on faith alone. Yeah, get to work. So, so yeah, that was grassroots slogging. Because me and one other girl for the first year. Me and Sarah Cass. Shout out to Mama Cass. She was awesome. She was a bedrock of that that ministry. She did far better than I ever would. I could. I got all the credit. She, 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 she yeah, yeah. She, she was seriously the the engine room of that that mm. youth ministry. Yeah. She'd been there for three different youth pastors before me. Wow. And uh, had been around for I think about 10 years in youth ministry. She grew up in the youth ministry. Wow. First year out of high school was a youth leader and was still youth leading up until the point That's that incredible. I got there and, and stayed on with me until wow. the end of my season yeah. at that youth ministry. So I'm sure you talk about longevity. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Biggest lessons learned as a youth pastor? Yeah, I think leading young people. I think not despising the day of small beginnings is the mm. big one. Like I, I think embracing that season, and that's the season I'm in now. I've just moved here to Perth to help Start with again. a church plant, yeah. and we're starting again from scratch. Yeah, and in what some would regard to be a well put together ministry from the church that we've come out of in, in Hillsong and, and where but we're really at grassroots and I think not despising this season is what we can do best and the fact that I can go to a youth program and know every young person's name mm. um, that yeah. 
we're not in a season of, of delegation yeah. where we needed we need to departmentalize what we do on that that time will come no doubt there's there is 300,000 809 young people between the age of 12 and 24 in Perth right now and so if we're going to actually have the kind of reach that I think we're the potential that we have to reach then there'll come a time where we mm. don't get the ability to know every young person's name at youth yeah. but right now we're not there so not despising where we're at yeah. in order to reach that will actually allow our young people to grow into all that they can be yeah. so that the next generation coming through can actually feel that same kind of love wow. that they feel. It's a trickle-down effect, and, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and that's what making disciples is. Yeah. I think so staying true to making disciples is probably the, the, other, the other biggest thing. Um, being... Being clear on culture yeah. is the other the other biggest thing. I think that um, just because it's the loudest voice in the room doesn't mean it's the only one. For instance, when I took on uh, the youth ministry in Maroubra and implemented the, what I called the gathering nights, the gathering nights were our small group nights, I was confronted by three of our older students, our, our year 12 students, and told that these are not nights that they like because they're being separated by their friends. Mm, um, yeah. And my response was basically, yeah. that's fine. The youth ministry just doesn't exist for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we need to stay true to what we're going to do. I probably didn't word it like that. That's probably the shortened version of what I said. But at the same time, it was a matter of going, no, I know why we're doing this. There's a purpose behind it. I think I actually explained the purpose and the, the why behind the what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what ended up coming out of the three people that actually confronted me on the, the concept was that... Um, kind of the leader of that group ended up becoming one of my first ever youth leaders wow. and awesome. uh, from that point ended up transitioning into a place where she actually started running the groups yeah which was really? incredible but it was really? a matter of just walking that journey and so having that same uh, staying strong in our culture so even as a as a youth ministry now within uh, Hillsong Youth in Perth we we want to have a culture of discipleship yeah. in our youth ministry. We want to have a culture of leadership development mm. to be developing mm. leaders, yeah. and not just leaders that are volunteers that are adults, but actually leaders from our young people. Yeah. Um, having a, a culture of fun, making sure that we're always having fun, that we're not creating a picture of, of, of heaven and what the kingdom looks like is not something that is actually yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, making sure that our, our youth are awesome on a Sunday, not just a Friday, that we exist to support the vision of the local church, that our youth ministry supports our, our church's vision. Um, and also a culture of the prophetic, being able to, um, to, to stand up for things that people normally wouldn't stand up for, and to be prophetic in the way that speaks into young people's lives and sees the potential that is on each and every single young person that walks through our doors. And so staying true to the culture that the, when I first took on the youth ministry in Maroubra, I said to, I actually called Josh Fernandez and I said, mate, you were my youth pastor for six, seven years. What do I do? 
and he was like, well, what's the vision of your church? I'm like, I actually don't really know, which was part of the struggle. Um, but I, he said, well, what do you see? What do you see for the youth ministry? And I wrote that down. I actually wrote it on a, um, a piece of paper and printed it out. I put it on my wall in my office. And it said, what is the youth ministry you see, you would like to see? And, um, and I wrote down a, a, a statement which was inspired somewhat by even Hillsong's vision statement called mm-hmm. The Church I Now See, yeah, which is yeah. what Brian has written that yeah. is big enough for everybody to be a part of. Yeah. And so I wrote down a vision statement for our youth ministry. It was called The Church That I See. Yeah. Uh, not The Church I See, The Youth Ministry I See. Yeah. And just being able to stay true to that, I think, is what will guide every message that you need to write. So many youth pastors I talk to struggle to come up with an idea. What am I going to preach on this week? Mm. Well, what do you see for your youth ministry? Absolutely. Like, what do you want your youth ministry to look like? Yeah. Like, it's not a matter of, you know, you need to pluck some fresh revelation out of Jupiter. It's actually the fact that, you know, if you're taking a platform and speaking into the lives of young people, you get an opportunity to tell them their potential, the potential yeah. that all of them collectively can be. Yeah. And so that was the biggest lesson I learned. Yeah. And, and wow. is staying true to culture, um, the culture that you want to see in, in the youth ministry, as well as staying true to the main things, discipleship, leadership development, thing, all that main stuff. Thing. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I ever had uh, from, I think, Brian. Russell Ryan preached out at a Hillsong conference years ago. Yeah. The main thing, the main thing. That's stuck in there. You got to go. Just reading some notes. Um, oh, look at you go, mate. Uh, Talk my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> Good. Uh, I think the last subject that I wanted to touch was you then I think to me looking from the outside as well whilst you were leading um, Marlborough Youth and that I think that part of what ended up happening is you turned out to start discovering that you're a little bit of an entrepreneur at heart but it's not just picking things up from the ground, having days of small beginnings, but to create things. Mm. Like you've got a real strong creative flair about you. Um, Balladura, we call that a hustler. <laughs> you hustle. Get your hustle on. Yeah, and I think for you, um, it seemed like one was being birthed out of other, you know, other things, like other things that you needed a solution for. So we talked about what was it that we talked about one day? You're like, I need a bigger budget. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to start selling stuff. Yeah. Um, creating Drugs s- predominantly <laughs> to the kids. And that's what kept them coming back. They just got hooked. Drugs in the form of I'm kidding. I did not sell drugs to children. Stop it. I'll revoke Stop that. Stop it. That is not true. Stop it. Um, it's not drugs. Well, I mean, like you were talking about creating a sunscreen um, you know, oh yeah selling sunscreen yeah we did that we were in a beach suburb it made sense yeah yeah it was like so, let's make let's buy a seven dollar giant bottle of sunscreen from Coles yeah and yeah. then some little bottles for like 50 cents each like mm. tiny little sample bottles almost 
like yeah. the youth logo on them and go and down fund, the beach yeah like, and, and like fund fundraise for the youth really yeah. like you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're trying to create income so that youth ministry can yeah, income streams, have yeah. a big big bigger thing big reach and so yeah more I, young people get access to the message of hope and yeah that something um pastor brian has always said around giving and and it's a controversial topic with our church because we have a large income yeah in so many ways but something he has always said is we will always have more vision than we will have resource and that's so true like it looks like we have a lot of income but we got a lot of outgoings too we've got oh, yeah. massive outgoings that go into the community that go yeah. into the world yeah. and right now funding something like preemptive love which is on the ground in Syria rebuilding homes yeah. in the middle of ISIS territory but it's stuff like that that um, we always, yeah, I've always had a heart to do is to, to raise for a purpose. I think it comes back to purpose. Yeah. And, like, why are we trying to create funds? Mm. And um, so, yeah, was that... I, I didn't let you ask your question. No, 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 that was it. Like, how do you... Because you... Was that more like a forced thing or is that something that you just thought, thought this needs to be done? I mean, part of, part of it was fulfilling a need, but the other side was, like, you, you, you were starting to think so far outside the box here. Yeah, that's, that's kind of dangerous too, because you get, you get people pretty off, you can get some people offside if your vision's too big, if you cast your, your vision to release all your eggs out of the basket, then some people can go, that's too much, and, and get really daunted by it. So mm. I was barely scratching the surface with what we were doing at Maroubra. Yeah. Um, but with uh, within that, I think it was Pastor Josh that always used to say, don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I wasn't allocated a budget within the youth ministry in Maroubra. And that was difficult to work with. And mm-hmm. so I had to find ways for us to be able to supply a service yeah. for young people that was going to allow them to perhaps bring friends to a Friday night yeah. and still cover our costs. Yeah. So yeah. if I wanted to do food every night, I yeah. had to cover the cost. Yeah. Um, now, I also wanted it to be able to be open to all. Mm. Part of our values was to be strictly inclusive. Yeah. And so within that, uh, we had a, a, a cover charge almost, like $5 for food. Mm, yeah. And that would get paid at the door. Yeah. Um, but what that would do is that would give us a small amount of margin. Yeah. Um, the average cost of a hamburger and a drink for a kid, of, of for a young person, would be probably $3 or $3.50 or sometimes even $4 if we, if, we, if we bought cheese. Well, we would be making it ourselves. So we'd go to Coles, we'd get a bunch of burgers and yeah. then some bread and then some salad and then some tomato and then some cheese. And all up, for an individual serving, we worked out it might be $3 or $4. So whatever the margin was, if yeah. uh, we ended up putting the price to $7, I think, for food yeah, and a drink. Yeah. Yeah, that. And that's cheaper than any McDonald's meal. Oh, any um, and any parent that is giving $7 and their kids get looked after for two hours and they get a meal included... Well, that's, that's a happy parent. Well, that, well, yeah, that's a that's a happy parent because it's it's seven dollars for almost that they might think two hours of babysitting, 
and plus they get fed awesome I don't have to look after dinner yeah. it saves them an hour of time it, yeah. if that parent is on $30 an hour of work we just save them $30 That's worth right. of their time That's right. um, so $7 didn't seem like a big charge but what that would do is it would give us margin as well it would give us probably 2 or $3 yeah. that would be um, revenue yeah. that would end up being contributed to the fact that if uh, someone brought their friend along and their friend didn't bring the seven dollars hey it's fine come on in no problem it meant that um, as the youth ministry grew and all the kids got sick of sausage sizzles and burgers that we could go to Costco and start to buy some nice chicken fillets Mm. or we could you know, start to do some better food, or yeah. it meant that um, if there was upgrades that needed to be, to be done to some of our uh, equipment or resources, that we had a little bit in the kitty yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. Some of our Occupy nights, yeah. uh, when we went ice skating or we went rock climbing or we went to the movies, um, would cost probably $15. Um, instead, we would make it for parents that had more than three young people make it $10 each yeah. save save a parent $15 yeah. if they've got three kids yeah. and so so they're paying $30 instead of 45 and that that would allow that would give people accessibility to our programs yeah. and so it's through the finances that we were able to bring in through little methods like that that would actually make things more accessible and more inclusive as a youth ministry. So again, all of it was purpose-driven in that sense. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of um, you know, trying to make money for money's sake. No, no. It's like if we had money in the bank at the end of the year, then we probably would have, you know, the tax man would have been like, oh, you're not a not-for-profit. And it's like, well, mm. yeah. we had that's responsible stewardship more than yeah. anything. So we never took up an offering in youth. Yeah. I think by the time that I had finished at the youth ministry, there was about twenty five hundred bucks in the bank. Yeah, right. Which was cool. That's great. Which is fine. To serve them, to serve them, to, to, to serve the youth, not only yeah. that came through our doors and was inside of our four walls, but mm-hmm. the youth inside of the community. Yeah. We were preparing yeah. for growth. Yeah. That's right. having seed in the storehouse ready for sowing season. That's right. Just making sure that we're stewarding well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that we can bless more. Finding creative solutions. That's that's the hope. Don't be part of the... Don't just see a problem. Yeah. Because the, the, the problem could have been, well, there's 7,000 uh, 7, odd young people in Maroubra area that we have to service. Mm. That could have been my problem. Yeah. But that was actually my motivation. Yeah. It was that there is 7,000 plus young people in Maroubra. And you need to find a way. We were the largest youth ministry on the eastern, in the eastern suburbs oh, with, with what we had in our youth ministry at the time. Wow. But we weren't even scratching the surface. That's right, yeah. We weren't even... Quite small. Like we, I saw yeah, your room. We weren't huge. It's tiny. We weren't huge. But the average size of a youth ministry in the eastern suburbs of Sydney is between 10 to 12. Now we were sometimes double, triple that at times. On, on uh, you know, quadruple that on a on a good night, yeah. on a big party night that yeah, we would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that was a once-off. We had a, a, a big a, a swell within our youth ministry, and it was like, man, how are we going to cater for this if this yeah, keeps yeah, happening? Yeah. But it was like that's not even scratching the surface of that seven thousand. Wow. 
so could have been my problem but that was actually the motivation and the solution was that we need to get res we need to resource this so it's great working within the means of what we had you got yeah yeah well that's really good yeah I've got to pee Jackson just had to wait. Um, okay. I'm going to include that. Um, yeah, so just in finishing, thanks by the way for... Thanks by the way for this conversation. So far, so good. So far, so, so good. Um, just if you could finish with advice for people who... You know, maybe they're young or maybe they're older. You know, and life is sort of caught up with them and got all these different pressures. So I know one of the things for you that worked out is having the space to go away and think and pray about this. But advice on people who, they felt called to ministry, like they know God called them to ministry. Uh, what would you say to them? And what would you say to the person who has a lot of, you know, maybe they're not a youth pastor, but maybe they are. Maybe they just have a lot of challenges in their life and they don't know how to usually financially come up with the equity for for the challenge. What? Any advice for those two people? Yeah. Um, first one is get good people around you. Um, I don't know where I... You know, I'd be without good people. I know where I'd be without Jesus. Mm. I'd probably be in a gutter somewhere. Mm. Probably replicating the situation that I grew up in. A product of my environment, taking a default option. Yeah. Um, so finding good people around you. I, When I was in Perth, I had that. I had great mentors. So once a week, um, a selection process for that. I looked at people that I wanted to be like. So I looked at, uh, I had, in Perth, I had four. Mm. I had Josh Fernandez, who's a, my youth pastor, then became my senior pastor. Mm. I had Jared McKenna, yeah. who was a, uh, still is an incredible um, advocate for social justice and, and um, justice causes in yeah. the world. Yeah. Training and discipleship and a lot of other areas. Yeah. Julian Kurtzian, yeah who at that point was running uh, the school's ministry for uh, Nations Youth Ministry. Yeah. And they had a pumping youth ministry at that point. Yeah. And I wanted his secret 11 herbs and spices. Yeah. Um, but also, it was also a lawyer at the same time. So it was yeah, well. at that point working part-time in a law firm and part-time doing schools ministry, two very That's polar awesome. opposites. And so seeing his kind of adaptability and how right. he functioned, um, he's now a young adult pastor yeah. at a large church here in Perth. Yeah. Um, and Dave Hack, yeah, um, who at that point was the youth and young adults pastor at Review Church, yeah. Yeah. a great influential church here in Perth. Um, and I would catch up with these guys once a week every month. I try and meet with them once a month yeah. each. So yeah. week one, week two, week three, and whenever they could fit it in. Um, and so that, so I just surrounded myself with that. When I moved to Sydney, I lost all of that. Mm. They just weren't, they weren't in my life or as accessible. 
as what they once were here. And so I decided to um, find people that I called my warriors. Yeah. People that I would uh, fight with. Yeah. In the in life, that when we were e either of us were going through stuff, that we would come alongside each other and pray and advocate for each other. Yeah. Um, people that I would fight for. So when there was situations and circumstances like tense relationships that they may have had or a situation or circumstance where they may have needed an advocate to go for them, yeah. I, would, I would step in and, um, and take ownership over that area. Uh, and also people that I would fight, those same people, so I'd fight with them or alongside them. I'd fight for them and I'd also fight them. Yeah. And so people that I would actually have no problem confronting uh, if they did or said stuff that was out of line or people that would have no problem fighting me on if I was saying untruths about myself or if I was gossiping or if I was slipping up, um, having people in my life that would mm. confront me yeah. um, was really important. Tell me my blind spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've still got those people. And those people are in great influential positions now, but once upon a time they weren't. Yeah. They were, we were all quite... Trying to follow Jesus. You know, important. steady peers in just trying to make it ourselves. Yeah. But yeah. people yeah. that I felt I had genuine connection with, genuine friendship with, um, that I in intentionally pursued friendship yeah. with. Yeah. And so people that I would drop everything for. Yeah. Um, and what the, one of the beautiful byproducts of putting people like that in my life is that as they got opportunity, I felt like I had opportunity. Yeah. I didn't have to seek a platform. I didn't have to seek an opportunity mm. anywhere in in my my sphere. Or I didn't get jealous of people. Yeah, I just yeah. when one of my best mates, Warren, was leading worship yeah. for the first time at one of the largest services that we have in our our yeah. church. I felt like I was up there leading worship with him. Yeah, there was your way. Nobody wants to hear me lead worship. But as Warren led worship, because I had walked the journey with him, yeah. I had stood by his side, I had gone into battle for him, mm. and he had no shame in confronting me, and I had no shame in confronting him. Yeah. You're right, his win was my win. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so... So good. So that was cool. Um, the, other, the other question you asked, can you remind me what that was? People who need to... Find the resources. Yeah, finding resources, creating... Yeah. Yeah, I think the first thing is deciding who who you are and who you want to be, mm -hmm. not just you, but your ministry. Yeah. Um, writing down what is the youth ministry I want to see, what what do I want this to look like, yeah. and then the second question is what do I need to make that happen. Mm. Um, all the while keeping a great spirit uh, and two almost like extra gifts of the spirit, if you will, that aren't in the Bible and probably never will be so no quote this is gospel um, and that's the gift of exploration and the gift of flexibility um, because even though you might not see the, the ability to find the resources that you need to accomplish what the dream is on your heart the more that you explore and have fervently on your heart your vision for your ministry uh, the more 
it's almost like your your neuro linguistics programming will switch on mm. to seeing the possibilities or the avenues that you can uh, find the resources to outwork your vision. Yeah. So first of all, write down the vision, and then write down how you plan to see that vision come to pass. That's yeah. called a vision and a mission statement. That's right. Orchestrate those. Then be aware of any opportunity you can take. That's exploration, the gift of exploration. Yeah. The second is the gift of flexibility. Now this is so important for any youth pastor or pastor that isn't a senior pastor yeah. or a senior leader um, because the gift of flexibility will submit to authority. Mm. The gift of flexibility will um, not a gift of fluidity that will just bend and shape to every whim and caprice that tries to influence your headspace. But the gift of flexibility takes on wise wisdom. Mm. It takes on wisdom of dear friends. It yeah. takes so even um, when I was considering coming back to Perth, I talked to my warriors. Yeah. And I said, Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you see on my life? Yeah. How do you see that out working? is something that I'm, I'm thinking and this is what's on my heart yeah. what is your thought yeah. I didn't wrap it in God said yeah. if God said no one can argue with that if God said why are you even talking about it yeah. just go and do it That's right. don't wrap things in God said just to justify <laughs> the means of why you want to do yeah. something don't go to your senior pastor and say hey um, God said God this, said this yeah. and um, and then demand a budget for it. Mm. No, have flexibility. Yeah. Have the gift of flexibility that is willing to um, to sacrifice for what it takes. Yeah. The gift of flexibility will enable you to be okay with the disappointments that might come yeah. or the frustrations yeah, yeah, when yeah. things don't work out That's right. and keep moving forward. And uh, especially in our con my context at Hillsong Church, the gift of exploration is a big one. Yeah. Working for a large Bible-based church mm -hmm. that wants to see people influence in all spheres Absolutely. of life, it's yeah. a matter of I need to explore. Sometimes the, the the full picture isn't given, and I need to actually go and seek it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I need to trust as well. The gift of flexibility trusts that there's a bigger picture at play if oh, the answer yeah. is ever no from my leadership. Yeah. Um, and I need to trust that. So, so yeah. Great. Thanks for the advice. I'm still learning. It's all right. We're all still learning. Thank you, Jackson. <sighs>